Hi, I'm Wilmer. I'm Yuki. And we'll be discussing the way we use science, art, tech, culture, math, food, to navigate the world, share what works for us, and what brings joy to our modern family. Be honest. How many times have you said the phrase, when this is all over, in the last few months? I know I've said it a bunch, and despite the fact that I know it has become cliche, I still say it. You know what? This won't even be over. Sure, the virus will be stamped out eventually and we'll all go back to our offices, maybe, and to school. Some things, however, won't go back to how they were before, and I think that's a good thing. Let's talk about virtual learning. I have been a little overwhelmed and torn at the various online commentary shaming parents, shaming teachers when it comes to virtual school, to stay online, to keep kids safe, to social distance or face to face. It's it, it's a lot and, and <laughs> what's causing all this distress? Um well, I, you know, I, I, I was a teacher myself for 13 years, and I, and I know the struggle, and I, I know that a lot of times it's a thankless profession. Um, I just think that there's been a lot of lack of empathy. There's been a lot of parent shaming, a lot of, you know, this is my way or the highway. It's a little bit seeming like, like the elections even, like opposing camps in, in politics. It's like really angry, really finger pointy. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to segue into, you know, what is this about? What are we fighting for really? Um, at the end of the day, from my years of teaching, I learned and, and, and this year, um, that kids are more, much more resilient and much more capable than we think and that we know. Um, a lot of the times I noticed um, even when it comes to simple things like what they like or what's what they find is funny, what they think is stupid, is kids will mirror their parents' behavior and attitude. I think I know what you mean. And when parents put out this negative energy, being overwhelmed at, at all of this, of being at home with the kids during this crazy time, and, and it is, it is a difficult time. But kids pick up on that energy and they reflect it back. And and when then forced into a situation that is totally different than anything they're used to, all this virtual learning and e-learning, they're going to find it just as difficult. And then it becomes this, this vicious cycle of the parents having a hard time that then the kid is mirroring back and reflecting. And then that's causing the parents to have an even harder time. And it just goes back and forth. So... Um, I think perhaps one of the biggest responsibilities parents have during this time is to calm things down a bit. And that's easier said than done. I understand. But calm things down a bit. Yeah, like I, I've noticed, you know, and I, I'm going to try my best not to be one of these finger pointy, shamey, you know, parents. But I have noticed, you know, things that we have been tr tried and true here in our own home with with Zoe um my stepdaughter who's nine and you know was really has really been a star really been a champ is people have to be open-minded like I I found you know besides like Instagram and texting and emails most people anything that that takes them out of their routine is terrible it's crappy it's like oh you know a, a new program a new app like 
when you combine that with the stresses that we've been dealing with this year, um, now you got to get up earlier, you got to do a little bit more. Whereas before you can just drop your kid off at school, now you may have to do a couple of extra things. Um, it's frustrating. And you know, everybody, you know, the, the education system is just struggling with some of these things also. So, you know, there, there were some technical issues early on and then the parent, the, the parent is on there. They, they can't figure it out. The kid can't figure it out. But, um, it's just a matter of open-mindedness, patience, just like, you know, day one, I think there was a lot of lack of empathy for our, our educators, our, our education systems that we had in place. I mean, a lot of these, these things are kind of, we're, we're functioning like brick and mortar style. Uh, the education has been mostly face to face at that age level. Um, it, it's been very interesting to see that. So number one, kids will mirror your behavior. So when you open that laptop and, and you weren't able to log in and you go, Oh, this is stupid. I can't believe this is a, this is, this is a, a crime. You need to socialize. The minute you open your mouth with that attitude, that's exactly what your child is going to pick up on. So I, I, I've been seeing all these kids crying and saying, mommy, I can't do it. And like, Oh, it's a crime. These kids need to be, you know, they're suffering, they're struggling. And I, I I feel like it might be a little bit our fault too. Um, I, I'm going to say that early on it could be our fault. <laughs> well, it's difficult. It, it, it's a difficult situation that, that nobody's used to. And um, this is a time where we have to teach our kids and we have to rely on the fact that our kids are resilient. You know, Zoe's a special girl. She's thriving in this virtual learning space. Um, but she's not uniquely special that she's the only kid that is like that. Kids in general are resilient. If you give them the opportunity to do well and if you set the right frames, children are very impressionable. And as as you were saying, they, they mirror a lot of our behaviors. And Setting the right frame for this type of environment is critically important. So if you go into it with a bad mentality, you're going to project that onto the kid and they're going to have a bad mentality and it's going to be like the vicious cycle I spoke yeah. about earlier. So I'm just going to end it with, you know, routine is a double-edged sword. I think the biggest problem happening is that we were used to things being a certain way and now it just suddenly isn't and we were kind of forced to on the fly to do it another way and it, it wasn't very forgiving for the learning curve that was necessary you know with your child sitting next to you um, and I, I could see that being very frustrating but routine can be a double-edged sword um, when faced with a challenge uh, routine is key so what we did here is we just established new routines. We made a list. We put it on the wall. I mean, we were failing for a while. We, were, we weren't figuring out how to upload assignments. I mean, we weren't even able to get on some days. It's trial and error. Every day improves. It's like working out. You get a little bit better every day. Um, so while on one side, routine is good to establish, it's also very dangerous. Um, you can also accustom your child to expecting things to be a certain way. I'm going to give you an example. Um, Zoe, out of, you know, when she first started being independent, like we started buying these instant Kraft mac and cheeses. Um, they're terrible. I know. We, we, we've, we're buying better brands now, but... I love them. We wanted to kind of make her independent and, you know, just throw some water, stick it in the microwave, and, you know, you're good to go. 
for a long time, when I made her homemade mac and cheese with the best quality organic milk and ingredients and everything, she's like, mm, I don't know, this tastes kind of funny. If you are accustomed to doing things a certain way, soon that closes off your options, that closes off your 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 ability to think any other way, and it, it you start looking at other ways as wrong, and and we just don't want to do that. I, I I refuse. So now we kind of keep her on our toes. We we always switch it up now as a result. Well, routine is very helpful because it it makes things predictable, and and we like in our crazy lives going to and from work and all that other stuff having some sense of predictability and as you said it's a double-edged sword and if you don't give them the opportunity to change and swap out of that routine more frequently it's going to be a difficult time when they're met with things that go sideways on them yeah. in later life yeah it's better it's better to look at it's better to not look at routine as right or wrong like this is the right routine versus the wrong routine more like wow good job this is the routine that's working for us now but today we have a dentist appointment and this is what's going on and so so i i mean i've, I've seen even from my teaching days kids that it would have like meltdowns when you know, they didn't have their apple for snack. Like, it, you know, like if you deviated from the plan, it was just the end of the world. So believe it or not, this time of coronavirus and quarantine and everything is very, it, it's a great opportunity to teach our kids more independence. Even though they're at home, even though they're within arm's length of us many times, it's an opportunity to teach them more independence. So don't scan their assignments. Don't print their assignments for them. Wait, wait. Teach them how pause, to use the scan. Pause. I, I, I agree. You know, I, I can see like a, a, a crying kid and saying, oh, we got to turn this in at four o'clock. You know, sometimes you just got to do it for the kid. Sometimes you just got to do it. You got you to gotta scan it. You got you to gotta email the teacher. You got to do what you got to do. But you have to dedicate time to teaching them to do it themselves so maybe maybe it's not gonna maybe the right time to teach them how to how to upload a, a file is the day that the project is due when, you're, when, when your kid is crying um but but you know take some time on the weekend after you know you have brunch and saying hey let's practice scanning using the printer or let's let's get your new ipad out and let's let's put a, a scan app on there so we can figure out how to do different kind of things we spend a lot of time today doing laundry but zoe is capable of doing laundry now we took the time now during coronavirus to teach her how to do laundry and it's been so helpful extremely helpful she is such a little rock star at nine years old she can take the sorted laundry decide the quantity of soap water she can set a little timer for herself go check on it put it from washer to dryer I mean, just fantastic. She folds and puts away her own. It's it's really, you know, we 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 got to give them a little bit more credit for what they're capable. I think there's a lot of um, parent nostalgia, like also like I wanna I want my baby to be a baby forever, and of course I'm gonna do it for you. That you know, if she asked me with her big beautiful blue eyes to make her a sandwich, I'm not gonna say no, you know, um, but. I, I've, I've just been so surprised and it, uh, taken aback when we travel even um, at, at what kids are doing already. Like, 
And I, I want to set the expectation of the fact that there's going to be a learning curve. Zoe's lost two laundry cards now <laughs> to the tune of like 20 bucks. But you know what? It's okay to the extent that it's part of the learning curve. We can't expect everything to go perfectly. And when they print and scan these assignments and uploads, there's going to be hiccups along the way. And we got to accommodate and expect for those too. And those are just more learning moments. And how do you think in Japan, these kids that ride the subway at oh my God. six years old, that is fascinating to me. And they're able to do that to get themselves to school and free up this time for their parents they the parents took the time on the weekend to show them exactly where to go where to get off and it's and a society, testament society is not shocked either no no it's it i mean we're shocked as westerners over there <laughs> seeing these six-year-olds get on the subway i was like look at the baby <laughs> right but it, it's perfectly normal over there and it's a testament to just how capable kids are if we give them the chance to be one of my favorite um viral videos is um a video of these two little asian kids i'm guessing they're like uh two brothers so cute. there's the quote older brother who's like six <laughs> he's the older one he's the older one <laughs> and then there's the younger one who's like four just sitting on a little milk crate waiting for his big brother to make, to make some fried rice <laughs> in a big outdoor walk and those kids, I tell you, man. With an open flame. He's six years old, and he's, he just does the thing. Hot oil, diced vegetables, spoons, spatula, plates, bowls, chopsticks. Everything is done. And they both had, like, the best fried rice ever. They have a few videos out there. And they're very enjoyable. I'm like, this kid can barely wipe his booty right. Like, I mean, how about their motor skills? Incredible motor skills on this six-year-old flipping and turning the rice. I can't even do that. Last time I did that, the rice was all over the counter. So anyway, not that every kid should be out there cooking their their own meal, their own meal in an outdoor in kitchen. The, on the side of the street. But it's it's definitely, um, they're definitely capable of more than we think they are. So, yeah, talking about food. So we, we were, you know, to, to talk continue on this virtual talk. So we recently did a pilot cooking class, uh, virtual cooking class um, held by a chef friend of ours. It was super fun, very successful. Um, we learned a new technique. Uh, we toasted Israeli couscous in high-yield oil. You know more about the oils because of the, the temperature. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Avocado oil, is, smoke is, point, is 550 degrees. It'll get up there, and it's perfect for this kind of thing. So we toasted, we toasted the couscous. I had never done it like that. I always boil it. Um, it was really yummy. It was a Mediterranean style salmon with the couscous salad. I mean, I am going back to the, the debates, the online, you know, virtual school versus in person. So I really enjoyed the virtual um, cooking class. I really liked having the home court advantage. Like I had all my oils, all my, my salt. Um, and it really helped with the memory because Cooking it in my home, in my terms, with my pot and my, my ingredients, I felt like I mastered it a little better. I was able to remember. We've actually made that recipe a couple of times for other people, and it's been fantastic. Um, and in comparison, uh, I'm no stranger to taking cooking classes. I love cooking. Um, and the last time I went to Italy, I went to Bologna, and I learned to make uh, pasta from scratch. I made some uh, tortellini. 
and uh, I have yet to prepare it for my family here because it's, it's just I'm, so daunting. I'm I totally cannot ready. remember. I cannot remember how to do it. Um, so I definitely appreciated having the home court advantage. I also saw that we were able to mingle with people from other places. So there were people in the class from New York, people from um, the Caribbean. I, it, it was really fantastic. I gotta say though, I like when we do more of like a date night. So the one con for me is I miss the interaction of being in the same room and seeing like my neighbor mess up and then I'm drinking wine and then somebody says something funny. I like the physical interaction in the room. Um, but that's the only thing that I really miss. I thought it was really fantastic. So I know that there's tons of classes out there available so that we can still do fun things like that. Yeah, I miss the interaction too, but that's just kind of par for the course right now as far as where we're at. One of the things that I really like to see in that that virtual cooking class that you don't get in one of those in-person cooking classes, like when you did the um, the tortellini, is that you get to see other people's home court advantages yeah. and how other people have their setups. And then when they don't have the perfect item, the 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 lemon zester or the the perfect little spatula to do this thing. The instructor was there to give you tips as to how to work around that issue. And that's something you don't get on those in-person cooking classes because it's this perfectly set up kitchen with everything, everything. you'll need. So then, yeah. as you said, doing it at home. You have to figure it out. You, <laughs> you have to figure it out and you're there with all your things and it's... It no longer seems as daunting, right? I, I bet you the, the tortellini you learn how to make almost seems a little bit daunting because it's not in that environment. Oh, my God. I, I, I learned how to use a cortella. It's like this this special knife. And and I don't know. They, they liquored me up. We were drinking wine. And I was just like, oh, having the time of my life. Of course. Um, it, it's, it's just a different experience. I promise I will make you guys the tortellini some. Day. Well, we'll need a virtual tortellini <laughs> cooking class. And, you know, speaking of, of virtualization and all this, all this interesting stuff um, having to do with digital, I feel one of the long-lasting effects of coronavirus and quarantine is that it's going to make us all more efficient, that we have, we actually find ourselves now with perhaps a little more time, a little more access to things that um, these little changes are going to be present everywhere. Like uh, if you've been to a restaurant, you see that menus are no longer there. Oh, I love that. Right? I love that. Um, they, they have the, the QR code and you just, you know, take a picture of it and, and you get the menu. I mean, it's great. I, I think the days of commuting to work are almost over for some um, of us i mean i think maybe you like like for example if you want to go to the market to pick the fresh produce yourself you still have that ability but it's no longer really a need um so that there's you have much more time to say you know what i'm gonna stay home and i'm going to bake a pie and I'm going to get the ingredients delivered and do other things while I do that instead of driving yeah. to the market. Um, and I think that's pretty awesome. There's a bunch of little changes that are going to, that are going to persist even after this is 
all over. There I go. Like the, the QR codes you, you mentioned. When I first saw that after we, we ventured out for the first time. Our first outing. I, I saw that and my first thought was what the hell is this? Why? <laughs> well, not not so much that, but it's like why have we not been doing this this whole time? It, I thought it's that. It's so obvious. I thought that. At first I was like, "What?" I was like, "Oh." So and then I was like, "Wait, no, it makes sense." That's that's one of those things that um I don't think we'll go back to normal. I don't think we're going to go back to the world of having menus in our hands because it's just kind of pointless. As well as other things, like um, perhaps entertainment and all the plethora of streaming options. Even when, quote, this is all over, there are still going to be more and more and more streaming options available well, to us. Look at our industries. Um, you know, trade shows, art fairs. I mean, everybody's just scrambling to create this immersive experience digitally. We want to make things easier for everybody. So I think once people have a little taste, I don't think they're going to be breaking their backs to go somewhere. Unless they want to like, you know, there's different reasons why you go to an event. But if it's surely like purely a, you know, consumer situation where you want to buy and you want to look, I think things are going to be a lot easier and a lot more accessible. You're going to have to deliver something different. And, and these industry events and these trade shows and fairs uh, that you and I are both very experienced in, the, the old methodology of just putting things in front of people's faces just to get eyes on it is, is going to go away. And now you're going to have to offer something more than that. Well, I, I was having this conversation um, with a colleague. You know, the days of the glitzy advertisement are over if you have a beautiful photo of a sneaker you're trying to sell so what everybody has beautiful photos i mean sell me the dream sell me the story who's wearing that sneaker how are they styling it where are they wearing that sneaker to can he jump higher is her booty bigger like what is the sneaker matching her sweatshirt like you tell me a story engage me and that's what's really that's what people want. They want to have an experience. Yeah. Well, I that's think, it. I think we're, we're, we're good on the virtual. Tune in next week where we talk about co-parenting and quitting the damn kitchen.